Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Less is more series, and we're, we're talking about words that are based in fear that have got the suffix less at the end of them. And uh, I've had fun with this. Uh, uh, some of the words have been hard to work out. Okay, what can I say about that? But it's been a great uh, opportunity to really delve into our fears and had some good feedback in different weeks, and uh, uh, which is great. But it's based around this, this uh, uh, scripture out of 2 Timothy 1.7. It's a New King James Version. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this morning I'm talking about being defenseless, defending less. And, uh, and so often now this spirit of fear, the spirit of fear is not from God, by the way, that we so often try to defend ourselves. But if we operate in this spirit that God has given us, in, of, of power and of love and of sound mind, we realize that we actually don't have to defend ourselves, that God defends us. And it's an interesting consideration. And, and even though we might seem defenseless, when, when, when we're in the middle of God's will, God's purpose, it's like that chor- chorus we sang at the end there, you know, that it may look like we're surrounded but I'm surrounded by you, God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I don't have to grind out my enemies because I've got a God who does that for me. And it's so interesting to to think about we don't have to defend ourselves. I don't know about you, but it's exhausting trying to defend ourselves against the world, against people, against criticism, against what, what is going on in our community. You know, so often we, we can get caught up in that and just really be, be looking at the, the wrong things. See, God can use all things for the good of those that love Him, called according to His purpose. And, and He'll use it for your good in that process. And so this, this word defenseless is, is a, a pretty interesting word, and it's all about trusting God, knowing God, uh, Resting in Him, resting in His Word, in His promises, and uh, and then we we can understand we can defend ourselves less. Um, so, what do you think are some of the ways we might try to defend ourselves? What what's some of the things you could think of the way you might defend yourselves? And this is just some of the things that I thought of, and it's usually based in our natural response, our react reactions, our our response to fear very often, and it's the fight. Or flight response usually, isn't it? It's that, that I'll show you. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so often we can try to make other people smaller by making ourselves bigger. I've seen that. I've seen people criticize and belittle, judge. The words are sharp and they not sharp in a good way, sharp in a bad way. They drag people down to make ourselves look bigger and others smaller. That's one way, I think. Sometimes it would be gossip. Sometimes we try to justify and rationalize our actions or our words or our thoughts. You know, did you hear that about such and such? Yeah, yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? 
We try to make ourselves right about all sorts of things. And the problem with making ourselves right about something, it means it makes someone else wrong about something. We try to make that, uh, we try to defend ourselves in that. You know, even we can try to defend God in our faith. And here's the thing, we don't have to. We don't have to. God can do that for us. You know, um, I, I read this, uh, this, this quote this week from Charles Spurgeon. It says that the gospel is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It just needs to be let out of its cage. I like that. I like that. We don't have to defend the gospel. We don't have to. We just got to let it out of the cage and let it do what it's meant to do. And I, I don't know about you, but Ken Hodges' message last week really affected me. The way he loved his Muslim neighbors, the way he had unconditional love for them, the way that they went out of their way for supporting the Muslim communities. And I was just like, wow, he's not defending himself at all. Even though I know he had no emotion when he's talking about um, uh, the is the motorcade that was shot at and and the driver was killed he didn't tell you this the guy that was driving that car that got shot through the eye and was killed was actually his best friend that was his best friend and that's stunning and he visited us sort of i think it was probably four or five years ago just after that happened and i'm telling you there wasn't much emotion in last sunday but there was a lot of emotion that other time he told it and yet he laid down. He didn't defend himself. He, he went into battle for the, 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 the homeless kids, for the Muslim kids, for the education of those kids. He, he, he started to build children's homes and computer programs and all sorts of stuff to help those people in a situation where many of us would have probably tried to defend ourselves. You know, so often we get caught up in our self-righteousness and, and pride and, and insecurity and all those sorts of things and, and, and we get a little bit of information or a little bit of gossip and then all of a sudden we, we start defending ourselves and we try to run people down and we, and we, we get insecure. And, and, uh, and, and the other way, of course, is that we withdraw from people. We can withdraw from people. We think... You know, we don't think it. We actually, it's just a reaction without explanation. We withdraw from relationships uh, because they make us feel a little insecure, a little inadequate, or, or, or we don't know how to deal with it. And uh, we try to defend ourselves in a natural sense. But, but here's the, 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 the whole the seed idea of this God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And when we recognize that, when we recognize the fear when we're trying to defend ourselves, <laughs> and we all do this, by the way, I, I, I know that. We, we all go into that defense mode and, and we attack or we withdraw or whatever that is. But listen to this psalm. This is a beautiful psalm. This, this is out of the, the Passion Translation. And the, the psalmist tells us about our God. He says, You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. I, love this. I just love the way that sounds and feels when I read that, that scripture. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. Let me say it again. We don't need to defend ourselves. We have a God who will defend us. We don't need to. Now, the, the, the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that for your life? 
And do you trust that God will do that for you? Because it's all right to say it intellectually to understand it. It's actually a whole different thing to, be, to actually operate in that, to, not to defend ourselves. It's, it's, when it's all boiled down, it's really a trust issue. Psalm 25, 21. Your perfection and faithfulness are my bodyguards. For you are my hope and I trust in you as my only protection. I love that. That, that is so good. You see, we don't actually have to defend ourselves. We've got a God we trust in that he'll defend us in every situation. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Instead of trusting God and leaning on God, we try to lean on our own understanding, our own abilities, our own ableness, I guess. And, and, And God says, no, no, don't lean on your own wisdom, your own understanding, your own thing. Lean on me. Lean on my understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight or he'll direct your paths. Love that. A few more. I realize I'm struggling to read these things, so let me put my glasses on. There they are. I knew they were on the page. Matthew 10, 16. Now remember, it is I who sends you out, even though you feel vulnerable as lambs going into the pack of wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes, but as harmless as doves. And, and another word that they use for that is innocent, which I could easily put in defenseless in that, that scripture. Be as defenseless as doves. Shrewd as snakes, yes, defenseless as doves. And Jesus, in, in Luke 12, he's sending, yeah, in tw- uh, verse 11 and 12, and he says this, And remember this, when people accuse you before everyone and forcefully drag you before religious leaders and authorities, do not be troubled. Don't worry about defending yourself or be concerned about how to answer your accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart and he will reveal in that very moment what you are to say to them. See, we don't have to defend ourselves. I know I've given you a fair few scriptures there this morning. I just wanted to really reinforce that's the word of God. He says you don't have to defend yourself. I will defend you. I am a defender. I am there for you in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter how beat up and, and uh, overwhelmed you're feeling with circumstances, I am there for you. It's in his word. And this morning we're going to look at a story of three young men. And they had the maturity or the naivety, if you like, depending on your perspective, to trust in God and not defend themselves. The names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men that faced the most tragic of situations that you could probably ever imagine. And, and, and we've got to remember that it's all based on that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And we're going to see how he uniquely defended them and deliver them. And I pray it might speak to you out of this this morning. A little historical context for this scripture. It's in the book of Daniel. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is the leader of Babylon. And they attacked and conquered Judah. And uh, part, of what, part of what they did is take captive of the best things in the land. And, and they take you know, stuff from the treasure, their treasure from the, uh, from the temple. And, and, uh, and they also took the best of their people, the young men particularly. And uh, they took them into captivity. And it says in, in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, uh, uh, Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. And they were told they were trained for three, we were told that they were trained for three years. 
So basically, they want to indoctrinate them. They wanted to indoctrinate the Babylonian culture. They wanted to feed them their food, teach them their language and their history, and, and let them worship, make them worship their God, not the God of Israel, of Yahweh, but their God. They want to teach them about their uh, Babylonian gods. In fact, they went to the extent of even changing their names so that that remind them every time someone said their name, it actually represented a Babylonian god. Their actual name represented that. So they went to a, a fair extent to this. Um, and we're going to look at Daniel 3.1, where we'll start. King Nebuchadnezzar is the ruler of Babylon, ruler of Babylon, and he made this huge image of gold. Let's read about it. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 foot feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Not sure, but he could have been compensating for something. I'm not so sure, but anyway. Daniel 3, verses 4 to 6. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O nations, uh, people's nations and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of God that Nebuch- King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. So this huge gold idol, basically. And, uh, uh, and they were told if they didn't worship when they heard the music, they'd be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, I don't know if you've actually been in a place where there's a furnace, a, a big furnace enough for a person to go into. But I remember my Uncle Bill, uh, who worked in the BHP many years ago, took me on a tour of the BHP when it was still operating. I remember going to the blast furnace. And you couldn't get, like... We were like 200 metres away from this thing and the, you could feel the heat on your face. You could feel, you could actually f- feel scared of being getting any closer to this thing and they'd run that, that metal in and out of that thing and it was amazing. And, and I can just only imagine how scary that would have been. King Nebuchadnezzar told the whole kingdom to bow down and everyone did except for three young men that stood tall, that stood up straight. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when the king found out about these young men, he was really angry and called them in and basically said, I'll give you one more chance when the music plays, bow down and worship. And in Daniel 3, verses uh, 15, second half of this, but if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? And the first thought I had this morning is this. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that endures the fiery trials of life, the, the stuff that comes us at us, is a faith that can be trusted. And, and, and there's a question here for you this morning to wrestle with a little. Can your faith handle the fire? Can your faith handle the fire? Because honestly, for many of us, our faith can't. We just get a little persecution, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of things that don't go right. Things don't quite go the way we dreamed and, and all of a sudden we're unsteady and we're rocking in our faith. And it's a sort of a, a pseudo-faith. It's sort of a, a pretend faith. It's sort of a flammable, lightweight faith, if you like. And, and here's some more questions that might help dig down a little bit deeper. I hope this is, I was going to say, I hope this isn't uncomfortable, but I hope it is uncomfortable actually. Um, for you this morning because I, I really want you to take this seriously that that we live 
we can live a pretend faith in our lives. We can live this life that, that goes, well, everything goes well. I'm going to believe in God. When things go bad, I'm not going to believe in God. It's like, no, that's not, that's not what this is all about. So the questions I want to ask you, can your faith handle the trial of unanswered prayer? Maybe you've been praying for something. Maybe you've been praying for children. Maybe you've been praying for business. Maybe you've been praying for relationship. Maybe you've been praying for something that hasn't happened. Can your faith handle that? fiery trial can your faith handle the the fire of a fallen christian leader you know i had to work through this at one stage you know that that a guy that i was i was setting up to be mentored by that I had a relationship with fell in a relationship with someone in his church and who's married and this girl wasn't his wife and it's just like whoa what is going on here and, and i had to deal with that can your faith handle personal loss Loss of possessions, loss of your health, loss of someone that you love. You know, there's lots of faith fires that we're, we, we, we encounter in our lives. What happens when your love is, um, when someone is taken from you that, that in an accident or, or through you know, disease or, or whatever that and, and they're prematurely gone, you think, well, hang on, what's going on here? And can your faith handle those fiery trials? Faith is tested by fire as a faith that can be trusted. Can your faith handle these trials, those sorts of trials? Because I, I think for many people I talk to, sometimes they can't. They can't. And you think you've got to have a greater foundation, a greater faith stance. You've got to understand that this isn't like the three wishes with the genie that you rub the bottle and all of a sudden you got the your whole life just comes together. Oh, look at this. I'm blessed and it's, it's awesome. No, no, no. We've got to work through some stuff. And God wants us to. He, he gives us our faith to make a difference in us, to, to help us move through the, the tough stuff, the persecution, the trials, the stuff that can happen to us in our lives. Hmm. You know... Um, these young boys, they're only boys, you know. They're, they're, they've been there for three years. They probably, we haven't got exact ages, but they're probably 16 or 17, we think. Maybe a little bit older, but I think about that. And they had dreams. They had hopes and a future. They were just like you and me. They, they wanted to make a difference where they were. And all of a sudden, I was faced with this unbelievable choice. They had to make a choice. All you have to do is bow down. All you have to do is bow down and, and worship this, this idol and everything's going to be okay. If you don't, you're going to be dead. So if you do, worship, awesome. Don't worship, you're dead. And uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but <laughs> for me, my, my mind will be going over time at this stage going, well, maybe if I just pretended to worship, maybe if I just bowed down for a little bit and got up real quick and said, God, forgive me. Or maybe if I just did a real quick worship, whoop, there you go, there you go, God, I'll just worship. I apologize, God, I'm sorry, I, I repent. They didn't do any of that. They, they didn't think about what, what the options were. They said, I'll still worship my God. I, I won't stand and worship, I won't bow down to this other God. I just won't pretend. And, and they, they actually stood firm in the start that because here's the problem when we start to compromise in this area of faith we can make one compromise and then two compromises then three and before we know we've compromised our whole life 
and the things we used to believe we no longer believe you know and, and young men that's just like looking at a screen that you know you shouldn't look at and you go well i only just have one look or maybe two looks or three looks and then all of a sudden you've got a whole compromised life and your, your life is is dictated to by what you're looking at on that screen and you start to go down this slippery slope and living a life of compromise what do we do when our faith is tested by fire and we're looking at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego three things we look at here first thing is obey God's commands instead of man sorry God's commands instead of man's expectations obey God's commands instead of man's expectations you see we should always obey God and not lean down to what what people want us to do in, in Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You see, they'd already made up their minds. They weren't going to defend themselves. They weren't going to compromise their belief in God. They weren't going to compromise their faith in God. They didn't have a plan B. Their plan was obedience. They didn't say, okay, well, let me think about it. Let me you know, make a call to someone or, or, or think about it. Or let, me, let me pray about it. No, they didn't. They didn't actually go and do a, get a bit of paper and do the pros and cons. I used to tell my kids to do this all the time, by the way. You know, do the pros and cons of every situation. So write down all the pros and write down all the cons. And, and with this situation, like one pro, obedience to God, cons, there'd be lots, you know. And sometimes we've just got to lay that aside and go, no, no, this is obedience to God. I don't care what my brain rationalizes about this, but I'm going to be obedient to God. See, they, did, they said, basically, we don't have to talk about this, God. We've already made up our minds. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. We have a plan, and our plan is to obey our God no matter what the outcome, no matter what goes on. I'm not going to try and justify or defend ourselves. And right now you're probably thinking like I did, of the shortcut, easy way out, a compromise. What can I do? What can I do to make a difference? They did none of that. They obeyed God and not men. That was the first. The second thought is this. Believe God's truth instead of the facts. Believe God's truths in, instead of the facts. Daniel 3.17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand O King. See, it's the God we serve. It's not the God we know about, we heard about in church, that our parents knew about, that our friends knew about, that we read in a book one day. It's actually the God we serve. The God we serve, we know, we're in fellowship with, we're trusting Him. That God, that's the God we are trusting in. The God that we serve is able to do. He's able to save us, He's able to rescue us. And that's the difference between just believing in the facts and believe in the truth. And faith can just be like that. It can be that trust thing. You know, the fact is, it's humanly impossible for man to walk on water. In fact, the truth is, Jesus did it, and so did Peter, under the power of Jesus. You know, the fact is that the people die, that they're dead. And the truth is, Jesus came alive. He, he was resurrected and he, when he spoke to dead people, they came to life as well. 
The fact is that you might be out of money and in financial trouble. But the truth is Jesus is your provider. The fact is the doctor says there is no hope, but Jesus is your uh, eternal physician and he can make right things that, that the natural can't do. The fact is your marriage might be in trouble, but the truth is God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. The fact is that you might be in an impossible situation right now, but the truth is that God is, makes all things good for those that love him and call according to purpose. All things are possible with God. And we don't live by the facts. We live by the truth of God's word. We've got to believe that. The truth is he's working all things for the good of those that love him and called according to his purpose. All things, everything, not some things, all things, all things according to his purpose. So first was, you know, don't obey man's expectations, obey God's commands. Believe God's truth instead of the facts. And the third thought here this morning is believe God, don't just believe in God. Believe God for who he is. Don't just believe in God. You see, so many people seem to believe in God. I can have conversations with lots of people in lots of different environments, and they actually have a belief in God. They just don't believe God. They they don't believe his word. They believe there's this out there force. And I guess that's a good place to start, or at least it's a place to start. But they actually don't believe God for who he is. And, and I think it's sad because there's so many people believe in this idea of a God. They, w- they want to believe that. What, imagine if those people believed in God, actually believed God. Imagine what difference it could make in our community, in our nation, in our world. If they started living by the word of God. You see, the scripture tells us even the demons believed in God. <laughs> even the demons. And, and maybe that's our biggest challenge is, is not to just believe in him but actually believe him for who he is and, and truthfully you know when i was raised up as a, a, a young a boy we we went to church every now and then even when we didn't need it you know and uh, and basically you know we, we we did the the rigmarole and we did the they'd say something and we'd say something and then you know and and you'd stand up and sit down and do all those things you do and and then the the, the they used to have the the hymns on those things on the wall, the numbers, and uh, and we'd all sing horribly, horribly, just so painful that those those things, you know. And and someone always thought they had to sing louder than everyone else, and uh, and it was, it was pretty pretty horrible. But but sorry if you like all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: um, we believed in God. And I'll tell you right now, we didn't believe him. We actually didn't live by his word. We didn't actually live our lives in a way that said we believe God. Yes, we believe there is a God, but not living like he is there with us. And because of that, you know, really, it brought me to a place where I didn't really need God. I didn't actually believe in God anymore for many years. And it was a dangerous place to live. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just didn't believe in God. They believed God. They put it all on the line. And, uh, you know, in, um, let's look, verse 18, Daniel 3.18. You know, he said he, will, he is able, he will help us. 
But then in, in verse 18 it says, But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image gold of gold you have set up. Wow, that, that's so powerful. Even if he does not. You see, that's the sort of faith that gets produced in the fire. Even if he doesn't come through, we're not going to worship your gods. We're going to worship our God. No matter what's going on. No matter what threats are there. Hmm. That's an amazing faith. Even if we lose our job, we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. We still believe you, God. Even when we're praying for our kids and they're still going the wrong way, we're still going to believe you, God. Even when we're praying for someone to be healed and they're not being healed, and, and we, we still believe you, God. We believe that you can do that, God. But even if he doesn't, see, so the problem today, I think, so many people believe in him, they don't believe him. It's not real faith. The moment we get hurt, the moment something happens, someone, the moment someone's not nice to us in church, someone doesn't say hello to us because they, they didn't see you, and, and all of a sudden we, we, we get these, all these defense mechanisms operating in our lives and we start to get defensive and we rationalize and we go blah, 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 and this person said this, and, that, and then all of a sudden we're in this horrible place because you're just believing in God, you're not believing God. It's a very different thing. No matter what comes. See, these young men, take my life. Take everything that matters to me. I'll still worship because I believe in who you are no matter what. Hmm. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar was pretty uh, upset at this stage. So he bound them up tightly. The, ties, the fires turn up ten times hotter, we're told, than usual. And even the, the soldiers that threw them in actually died as they're throwing these, these young guys in. And... Uh, and I'll, I'll finish quickly now. Daniel 3, verses 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men in that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, O Lord. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound, unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of gods. And some versions actually say the son of God. And here's the thing. You may never really know how good the presence of God is until you're in the middle of the fire. That's the truth. You know, this should be a nightmare, and yet the presence of God is with, with them and with, with us in the same sort of situation. You know, I've ministered to many people, and, and seriously, I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're surviving. I don't know how they're getting through day by day. And the only thing they tell me is, I don't know either, but all I can tell you right now, His presence is with us. God is enough. God is enough. And that's a faith that's been tested by fire. That's a faith that can be trusted. That's a legitimate faith. That's, that's a faith that we all should have. That's not a defensive faith. Daniel 3, 27, 28. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies or was even, or even a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. That's faith. That's real faith. That, that's a faith that, that is tested by the fire. That, you know, remember, never to obey man's request. Obey our God. You know, don't just look at the facts. Look at the truth for your life. Not what man says, what God says to you through his word, through his spirit. Just don't believe in God. 
believe God. He is with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He is with you in the fire. You know, Jesus demonstrated his greatest strength by offering no defense when his life was depending on it. And he did that for you and for me. We're going to sing a song to finish this morning. And it's that chorus we sang before. And I want you to enter into this morning. I want to enter in this. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles, my hands in the air. It may look that I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Can we make the prayer of our heart that this morning? Can we stand to our feet? I'm going to stay on stage if I can, if that's not going to upset you guys. Because I want to urge people on in this this morning. This is how I fight my battles. Can you do that this morning? This is how I fight my battles. I surrender to you, God, in the midst of all circumstances, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the stuff of life, God. I surrender to you. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to lift up your name in this place, God. I'm not going to defend myself anymore. I'm going to be defenseless in you, God, in you. I don't need to defend myself. I need to get insecure and, and, uh, uh, and bound up, God. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even in the midst of the fire, you are with us, God. You'll never leave us, leave us or forsake us, God. Can we sing with that sort of conviction here this morning, hey? Let's do that. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.